This is County Fire Insight for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. Hey everybody, welcome to Insight. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this day is almost surreal because I have two legends with me. I have our interim deputy chief, Dan Mejia, who's told me that I can't be so serious because he's going to be the serious one. And I have uh, President Jim Gregoli with us too. I'm going to jump right into it. There's been a lot of rumors about the staffing plan. What are we doing? Um, and I've asked Jim and Dan, the, the two individuals that designed the staffing plan, to come and talk to you a little bit about it. Gentlemen. Good afternoon. Uh, this is a staffing plan that's been in development for probably over a month. I am sure the rumors have gotten out about this plan, and we're here to present it officially. So I just want to talk about what was some of the parameters that we used in developing this plan. And the number one was, number one parameter, I think, was to add additional units out there and additional staffing at some of these stations to help with our coverage. And then some of the other things we used were the placement of the paramedic trainees that are going to be coming out of this tower on the 21st. And then we looked for, Chief Muncie gave us a budget, and we had to stay within that budget. So we were able to accomplish all those things with this plan. And one of the things that um, we just want to emphasize in this plan is that these are overtime positions. We're not creating new positions. We're creating overtime positions for that staffing. And we ask that you be patient with us because we need to be, this is a fluid plan. So we're going to be monitoring the budget, watching the uh, force hires, and then making sure that we're not overtaxing our employees. But we want to get some additional coverage out there and help alleviate some of those uh, calls for service. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we were asked to do this plan uh, and I got with Chief Mejia about it, it was designed so that we could uh, put some extra coverage out there while finding a place for our recruits especially our EMT recruits coming out of the tower. Now, uh, we've built a plan and it has accomplished a lot of the goals that uh, I had asked Chief Mejia from 935 to do that. That was making sure that we corrected our staffing out at 18s and a priority to get the fourth person up on the truck at 304 and, um, and then do some other things to relieve some of the uh, other impact areas such as 29 Palms and especially here in the city where we're adding a squad to help with the uh, tremendous amount of calls that they have. So I think it has been a good plan. It helps with the uh, finding a place for the 21 EMTs but I also believe that there's uh, other challenges ahead and we have to stay fluid in the situation too. So. so some of the other considerations is that we this will take effect on May 21st after Tower 14 comes out. But we're also aware of Tower 15 and, and making sure that we have spots for those, uh, that personnel or that group to come out to. But as well as we're still waiting on the SAFER grant and to see how the SAFER grant turns out for us. So there's a lot of moving parts in this and we just ask that you be patient and we'll keep you informed as best we can. Yeah, I, I, again, I agree with Chief Mejia. Some of the things, some of the challenges that we have, we're going forward with a plan that it revolves a lot of pieces down the road. Uh, the next tower is, um, is a little uh, difficult because uh, we're again adding EMTs and there's really no place for the, 
for them to go uh, other than uh, us trying to figure out another plan if we can't get them into school. So we're working with the department to make sure that they can get into paramedic school, the previous group, and uh, that will keep the plan in order. I know I've talked with Chief Mejia about that, how we have to have that or else uh, we could really run into a problem in October. But the Safer Grants a Giant part and um, uh, 935 worked with the Chiefs uh, to make sure that we could get the IAFF involved to make sure that we could be successful on the Safer Grant this time. So I'm sure all of you have seen the plan. You can look on Telestaff and see where these units are staffed and uh, the positions, but we just wanted to formally tell you what that plan was. Um, in the South Desert, we talked, we're adding the three engineers at Station 18, bringing that two-person unit, uh, two unit up to three. Uh, we're adding a Brush Patrol 44. North Desert, we're gonna, had, we're gonna convert that Medic Squad 304 to Medic Engine 304. We're gonna add the fourth person on Medic Truck 304. We're gonna also be returning the staffing to, to uh, Station 4 and staffing that Medic Brush Patrol 4. And then in the Valley, we'll be adding a squad and it'll be at 224. Yeah, and I think in all those, it helps us uh, greatly with the impacts in all those areas. I know in the South Desert, we have a very, we don't have enough units already and for us to get another unit out there. And of course, one of our goals has always been to make sure that we're uh, uh, putting the third person on all of our rigs. Still have some challenges ahead. We still have to worry about the airport coming down in the future, but those are always uh, things that we're gonna look forward to, so. So we appreciate your uh, time and we just ask that you remember to be patient, so. Yeah, one other thing is we just keep in mind that uh, we, need to, uh, we need to be able to fill these positions so that we can show that there is a need for these positions in the future. And uh, uh, I appreciate uh, this being able to budget that so we could show what County Fire can look like in the future. So. And it's a great time to see us start to turn the corner with our staffing. So we'll turn this over to... Yeah, so I, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about this. Um, please email your questions to Tracy Martinez or text him, putting it in the chat. And then what I'll, I'll do is I'll speak for a few more minutes and then uh, any questions we receive before this end, we'll make sure that we ask you guys to come up. There was one question about the firefighter EMTs. Where are we gonna put this firefighter EMTs? Are they only gonna go in these overtime positions or is there any other positions where they'll be able to work? So no, there's actually seven EMT positions that they're going in. We're only taking the remaining and putting them in some of these uh, overtime positions until they get into school. So I know there's, I think, one vacancy remaining in the firefighter uh, EMT positions. So there is some overtime in there for that. Yeah, uh, there is. There were seven existing openings that we had in our EMT rank, and that's where the first batch went. And uh, the extra positions that we created will help cover those positions uh, until we can possibly get through the next engineer's test and promote some more of our EMT firefighters. I think another question that's going to be asked is, uh, I know I'm off camera, that's okay, about uh, engineers working up as medics on units. What's your thoughts on that? What's kind of the general philosophy? So we're going to not try to overtax any one group and we're going to look for opportunity where we can take advantage of their paramedic skills and move them up. Same thing with, with uh, captains working down. We know that our greatest vacancies are in the engineer rank. So we're always going to try to balance it out and make sure that we're taking into consideration how much people are working. 
Yeah, and one and part of this plan also encompassed uh, Station 12 going to paramedic engineer. Um, uh, we were looking for the last spots. Chief Mejia was trying to find some, and so we um, we decided that Station 12. Uh, I am. Um, I am not in favor of using our engineers as paramedics, and the minute that we can restore the paramedic firefighter to that position, it, it should be something, the model that we're going for. But in the interim, we're going to just do the one station, and like I said, we're going to have to find some answers prior to the next tower coming out. And I appreciate Jim working with us on that. And the reason we had to ask Jim to go to that engineer medic at Station 12 was we were creating too many uh, vacancies at the firefighter paramedic rank. And we were concerned about how much we were gonna, how many vacancies we were gonna have there. So try to balance that out. We went ahead and took a chance with, and Jim gave us that opportunity to go ahead and put those engineer medics there and put those firefighters in behind. So I appreciate it. All right, thank you guys. Again, please uh, send your questions to Tracy Martinez or put it in chat. You starting to get a couple questions? Okay. Uh, a little bit on this, I want to thank uh, Chief Mejia and 935 for being flexible on how we're going to staff this department. I, I think everybody probably thinks, hey, why aren't we just creating permanent positions? And the, the fact is, I wish that we could. We have a five-year projection of financials, of revenues that are coming in. At the end of the five years, it shows the fire district is being uh, just, just even right now, breaking even based on today's expenditures. And if we add too many new positions and the five-year projections end up breaking in the negative. And so literally the Board of Supervisors will not let us add any positions that we can't show that we have ongoing fund for. But we know that we've been managing the district well. We know that our reserves have been increasing. Our fund balance has been increasing. You guys are doing a great job out there. Uh, whether it's ambulance collection or, or when we're sending our strike teams out, getting the full reimbursement, being more careful with our money, those things have led to increasing reserves. And so the compromise on this plan is let's increase some positions where we know we're going to support our firefighters and then let's use those monies in reserves. Again, you cannot use those reserves to fund ongoing positions. But at the same time, we're saying as we fund these positions year after year and we demonstrate that we have a track record, Let's get them into full-time permanent positions. Let's hire for these positions. So this is a transitional plan. No one's tried this before. Again, I want to thank 935 and, and Dan Meehan, the assistant chiefs, for being very flexible and come up with a plan that's going to work for staffing this department. I want to thank you for your patience as we work through this. As uh, Chief Meehan mentioned, this is going to be very kind of uh, flexible as we're moving forward and uh, into the future, but it's an exciting future huge piece on this plan obviously has to deal with the firefighter EMTs becoming paramedics. That's the next piece that we're working with 935 on. We want to make sure that we get our EMTs uh, through a solid probation, but get them into medic school as soon as possible, and then make sure that that medic school is condensed to something reasonable. We can't have our, our EMTs going to school for 13, 14 months. We need to get them in there full time. We need to support them while they're there. And we need to have them coming out as paramedics so we can get them on the floor and return our level of service to where we want it to be, which is where our firefighter paramedics are the primary paramedic on the engine. There's a couple of updates. Uh, probably the biggest one would be the National Orange Show. We're still on track for the National Orange Show. We've gathered together the Project Management Division for the County of San Bernardino, the Real Estate Services Division for the County of San Bernardino, the National Orange Show, and 
the folks that are in charge of the ARPA money to determine what's the quickest way to get the station online. So we have a meeting a little bit later this week. I think it's Thursday. We're, we're, we're going to be sitting down. We're going to talk about how to project management this fire station into a great station in the near future. Now we're planning on spending some pretty good money, about $4 million, maybe up to $6 million on this station. The footprint of the National Orange Show as it is today isn't what you're going to have in the future. We're going to put on a whole different wing. We're going to make sure there's individual dorm rooms. Uh, the station's going to be completely rehabilitated so that it's a modern fire station, and then we'll look at deploying resources there. The goal is to get this done in 18 months, which is something the County of San Bernardino's never been able to do. But we have alignment right now. We have the board behind us solidly. We have the CEO behind us, and we have these other department heads that are working really strongly towards that. The other station that's probably the quickest is the Desert Heights Station, which uh, Chief Tuttle has out in this division. Those of you familiar or not familiar with that area be between Joshua Tree and 29 Palms. There is a fire station. It had some pretty significant water damage a couple of years back, and Chief Tuttle's working to get that station online. And then our plan is to figure out staffing for that station. 226, 227 here in San Bernardino are still on track. And then uh, we are looking at improving our North Desert stations in Hesperia. You'll hear a little bit about um, some new development in, in Hesperia. It's true. Uh, Chief Corbin's been working with the developers there, and there's three new fire stations that are online to be built as part of that development in a staged planning method. And with those developments will come in the revenue to staff those three additional stations. So North Desert, South Desert's been a priority for us to make sure we have staffing. The lights at the end of the tunnel, the safer ground will certainly help, but you know what? We're not going to put all our eggs in that basket. Um, again, you guys have done a great job managing the money of this district, and that's allowed us to increase the staffing. Thanks for the flexibility. Tower update, uh, 14, uh, 42 trainees graduation date is still set, May 20th. We're looking forward to that. Uh, thank you very much to the Tower Cadre that's working so hard every single day to get these uh, men and women prepared. We do appreciate it. A little bit on FP5. Uh, FP5 is still moving forward. You're going to see it on the ballot. Please take that serious. We do have a court case that's going on. Uh, the court case um, essentially says that Red Brennan, when they portrayed what FP5 was to the voters when they got the signatures, they didn't tell the full truth. In the initial trial court, we won that case. The trial court ordered it to be removed from the ballot and then Red Brennan went and they got an appellate court to put a stay on it, meaning that it still is on the ballot. Uh, now, that's, uh, now it's gone to another judge who's uh, sent it back basically to the trial court. The trial court will review this, but it will be after the election date. So um, on the election, what we don't want is for, um, what, what we, we would prefer that FP5 isn't successful, repeal of FP5 is not successful, because that makes the, the question really mute. If it shows that the voters overturn it, then it's going to go to court, and the court will have to make the decision. Again, that's a lot of money to this district, almost $42 million. That's the closure of a lot of fire stations. I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but that would immediately end this, this uh, staffing plan that we have, and it's going to result in the closure of some of our units and some of our stations. So we are taking that very seriously. I want to thank all the assistant chiefs, division chiefs, those crews that have been out there going to community meetings, that have been meeting with the public, and they've been educating them on FP5. Remember that we can't, we can't um, advocate for or against FP5, but we can educate. 
So if the public does come in, please refer them to our website. Please give them factual information. Be familiar with that. We have another uh, canine joining us, and that's Jenny, and that's Brian Headley's dog. Brian has picked Jenny up, went through a four-week class, and of course we got Denty with Sean Reese. We're gonna have a press conference tomorrow at uh, Station 72, at the old Station 72, where the arson investigation unit is. We're looking forward to having uh, our second arson dog. Every single week I get a, uh, a breakdown of all the fires that have occurred in our jurisdiction. And that breakdown shows the causes of those fires. And then they show whether it was uh, intentional or not. And then it shows whether they have a suspect in custody. And what I've noticed over the last six months is there's more and more suspects that are being arrested for arson. So this program's working, it's successful. We wanna highlight the success and I wanna thank arson investigation team for doing such a great job. Tracy, I know there was at least one question on AO staffing. And then I'll ask you if there's any other staffing questions. Okay, so the AO staffing question is, what is the timeline to staff up our ambulance operator positions? Great, um, we have seven, excuse me, we have two paramedics in orientation today. I remember this is an accelerated process that Chief Barna put in place. That as soon as we get these applications, we're processing them, we're getting them into orientation, we're getting them out in the field. So there's two in there today. Uh, we have new AO lists that have been received, and that includes seven additional ambulance operator paramedics and literally hundreds of ambulance operator EMTs. Those lists are going to be processed. We're going to be hiring from those lists as soon as possible. Our goal is have the interviews, and if they're successful in the interview, you immediately get a background process to streamline that, the, that process. And then within three weeks, they have their medical with the goal of having an orientation mid-June. So quick timeline, I wanna thank Chief Barna for all the work that he's done with HR to streamline that process. In addition, there's a new listing or a new recruitment going out and there's additional ambulance operator paramedics that are on the new list. So as soon as this list has gone through with the seven ambulance operator paramedics, we'll start processing that, that new list in mid-June. So uh, Chief Barna's done a good job with the ambulance operators. Okay, on to FP5. Will the results of FP5 be public if the appeal is upheld by the Pills of Court? Yes. So when the vote occurs, the ROV will be tabulating the vote. You're going to see the vote. Um, the, appeals, the, the, the appeals court or the trial court, whoever's going to hear this, um, will, that'll occur after the election has been decided. So the FP5 vote will be public. And so if it's very negative and it shows that the tax... Um, that the voters believe the tax should be repealed, and that may be a hard thing for the district to get through as we go through the court case or in future our, our FP5 elections. No other questions, Chief. I guess uh, the staffing plan's solid. <laughs> well, I wanna thank President Gregoli and, and Dan Mejia for all their work and the assistant chiefs, the battalion chiefs who solicited their input. I wanna thank you for your patience. We wanna make sure that we're deploying as many personnel, more firefighters than ever before to support our mission. This summer's looking nasty. We are in a big drought. You guys uh, have seen it, especially if you've gone out to Lake Mead. Our fuels are dry. Um, we're proud of our wildland camp. We have both of our crews that are um, almost to the point where they're gonna be deployable in a couple of weeks here. They're going through their critical training right now. We have our, our heavy equipment staff 24 seven with uh, three different operators. I wanna thank them. And we're looking to add a third fuels crew, a type two crew to support the mission too. 
but it's still going to be a nasty year for us. Um, one thing that, that I've been asked is about deployment of strike teams. Chief Mejia, I don't know if you want to jump in here real quick and answer this or if you want. He's going to come answer this real quick. So I'll ask you the question is, are we going to send any strike teams out this year? Yes, uh, we just had our cooperators meeting uh, yesterday. And one of the things that came out of the OA was that OES is going to try to get their units out first. So we're going to start staffing up uh, the OES units as soon as we get that fifth one in service. And that could be any day. And then we'll make them available on the XBO. And then we were going to make them available for strike teams. And then we'll look at an opportunity to send out a second strike team based on our staffing. I think the only other piece to add here is that the Cal OES, uh, Cal OES has asked that the first strike team out of the zone always be a Cal OES strike team. So our type one strike team that leaves, it'll be in the green Cal OES engines. Um, Chief Mejia is going to do a good job balancing out staffing concerns. We want to make sure that you have the time that you need for your families to be able to take vacations and holidays. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank uh, Jim Gravoli and 935 for their support, Chief Mejia and the assistant chiefs and battalion chiefs, and for you each and every one of you for doing such a great job. Thank you. This has been County Fire Insight for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022.